Welcome back to Talking to Myself. I'm your host, Michael Stevens. Our last episode, we met the Dwarven blacksmith, Thelgrim, as he set our protagonist, Ari, free and invited him into his shop to discuss how Ari arrived in Underhill. What does Thelgrim know about Ari's arrival? Stay tuned to find out in this double feature episode of Talking to Myself. Chapter 2 Bramblehaven Part 2 Walking into the blacksmith shop was an otherworldly feeling. I mean, obviously it was. But the awe I was feeling was indescribable. Any other way falls short. We made our way to the back of the shop, where there was a square table with intricate Celtic designs carved from leg to tabletop, seemingly filled with gold. It paired well with the deep red of the wood the table was made from. We sat across from one another, Grip scrambled in like a surprised and frightened cat, knocking things over as he dashed through the room with two mugs, setting them on the table. So, Grip tells me you traveled here by clockwork. Is this true? Thelgrim asked with a pointed stare. Well, yeah, I found this flower under the bridge. The flower? Hmm. Interesting. Thelgrim interrupted me mid-sentence. Did it call to you, boy? Thelgrim asked in a hushed tone, like it was life or death situation. What do you mean, call to me? I inquired, getting the feeling the dwarf knew more about the curious flower than I did. I mean, did you hear it before you saw it? He boomed, before looking around like he made some mistake. Well, did you? He followed up with a whisper. Yeah. I stammered, starting to feel anxious about this whole thing. What did I get myself into? To my amazement, Thelgrim grinned like a child on Christmas Day. Your hands, boy. Let me see your hands. I hesitantly put my hands out. This was the first time I even looked at a part of me since I got here. As I turned my palms over, I saw a glowing green circular light right in the palm of my hand. Ah! I shrieked, pulling my hand back and shaking it vigorously, trying to put out the non-existent flame or beasting. However, my hand kept on glowing. The circular light had some sort of design inside quite like the Seal of Solomon I had seen in one of my metaphysical books I kept at home. Thelgrim grabbed my hand quickly, hushing me looking over his shoulder, almost as if he felt eyes upon him. Yes, this is it. He said to himself as he pressed his giant thumb into my palm. It turned the glowing green light into a golden streams bursting from my hand. I watched as the golden light lit Thelgrim's face, and as I looked on with a mix of horror and awe, the flower materialized in my hand, slowly at first, like golden Tetris cubes falling into place, until it became the entirety of the mysterious clockwork flower that sent me here. As soon as it fully appeared, floating near inches from my palm, 
The glowing stopped and it fell, bobbling into my hand. In a simultaneous instant, as if someone had just flipped off a light switch, Thalgrim reached down and picked up the curious object between the forefinger and thumb. It was small in comparison to the dwarf's massive calloused hands. He smiled again, shaking his head before placing it back into my hand. They did it. I can't believe they actually did it. He said to himself quietly without taking his eyes off the clockwork. Who did what? I was puzzled at all this new fragmented information. Letting out a heavy sigh, he took a drink from his mug. Casting his eyes to the right, he stared into the glow of the fireplace. To understand that, you'll have to get an underhill history lesson. He began. Long ago, we lived on the surface world, where the surface was haunted many of us, thinking we are beasts or trying to steal our magic away. Surfaces have always been afraid of what they don't understand, and they think they can gain that understanding by control, so they'd capture some of us and put us to work in whatever they felt best paired with our magical ability. To the kings of old decided our kind would be safer elsewhere, so they carved out a new home beneath the soil and rock. But even though we separated ourselves from the surface, we found ourselves advancing when your civilizations advanced. We walked parallel to your world until you sought to destroy yourselves with your wars and your bombs. Then some of us decided to go back to the old ways, like here in Bramblehaven. He paused to take another drink, and he looked at me with sadness in his eyes. But some of our kin became obsessed with advancements, far from here in the city of Telmara, where magic and technology become symbiotic. A very different kind of dwarves live. They call themselves the Dwarten. They're good-natured folk, just have an affinity for this new symbiosis. They created seven clockworks. The flower. He nodded towards me. The sword, the shield, the locket, the key, the bangle, and the ball. It is said that they gave each of these to the fairies who frequently travel between your world and ours through their fairy rings. They were to scatter them across the globe, and one day these talismans will call the guardians to save our world and theirs. In disbelief, I blurted out, questioning Thelgrim. Guardians? Save the world? Yeah, kiddo. An unfamiliar voice came from the stairway behind Thelgrim. I looked up as I heard a strange sound following the disembodied voice. Chapter 3, Part 1, Alluin. The sound reminded me of the dragonflies of summer stealing dewdrops from the leaves in the early morning sunrise. The sound belonged to a pixie, who was now making her way down the stairs buzzing about the same size as the dragonflies I remember fondly. She flew right up to my face before pinching my nose with both of her tiny hands. I reached up and grabbed at my nose. Ow, what the hell was that for? I exclaimed. At the same time I had this knee-jerk reaction, the tiny pixie evaporated in a cloud of smoke before reappearing in front of me at normal human-sized height, leaning onto the table. She giggled. Just saying hi. 
What's the big deal? She looked like she had just gotten back from an 80s punk rock concert. Torn acid-washed jeans and a cut-off Ramones t-shirt. She had spiked bracelets to match her equally spiky black hair. Next time, say hi without trying to rip my nose off, okay? I spoke with irritation. She smirked, rolling her eyes. She straightened her posture before turning, giving me a wave to brush away my comment. Oh, stop whining, you big baby. What kind of guardian can't handle a pinch on the nose? Honestly, it's embarrassing. I pushed my chair back and stood up. I'm not a guardian. My voice wavered. I was uncertain of anything at this point. She turned around to face me, her dragonfly-like wings fluttering quickly, making her spin around even faster as she flew back toward my direction. That's not what the little trinket in your hand says. It says you're a guardian, so get used to it. Fine, but I don't know what that means. What's your problem anyway? And why are you dressed like that? I shot back at her. Her face morphed with anger. Her skin turned from pale white to deep red, and her green eyes went as black as night. What's wrong with the way I dress? Her shout echoed. Nothing. It's just everyone I've seen down here haven't been dressed as modern. Stammered. Her demeanor returned to normal at the blink of an eye. Thanks, Toots. I pride myself on keeping up to date. Besides, I've been to the surface more times than, well, pretty much anyone. I can't seem to stay away. She said with elation. Being guardian means you're gonna save us from the big baddie. Duh. She rolled her eyes again. For someone who could be so small. She sure had a big attitude. And who is that? I raised my eyebrow. Hitler. She said nonchalantly. Hitler. Like World War II Hitler. That Hitler? But he's dead. Said truly in disbelief now. Nope. Wrong again, sugar. He's immortal and he lives here in Underhill. And you and the others are going to stop him from enslaving us and destroying the planet. What? Are you crazy? How? I said, flailing my arms like an awkward chicken. I wouldn't call her that if I were you. Rip interrupted. M my mistake, I stuttered. You get a pass this time, Toots. It's a long story. Let's talk and walk. Come on, I know the perfect place. She said, turning and beckoning me to follow. 